The SDR Disco Call podcast is proudly sponsored by the number one best-selling sales book, Problem Prospecting. If you're an SDR who sat there staring at the phone too nervous to pick it up and make that cold call, or perhaps you're frustrated that your emails aren't getting the responses that you want, or perhaps you're a professional wanting to book more meetings with your ideal prospects. Written by three sales leaders with over 30 years of experience between them, Problem Prospecting is a book like no other. It's not theory-based. Instead, it's filled with actionable pipeline generation tips, tricks, scripts, how-to guides, and practical frameworks that you can start to use immediately. See it as your prospecting playbook to help you book more pipeline. To grab your copy, head over to Amazon and search Problem Prospecting today. Welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast, a podcast designed for brand new sales development reps in the world of software as a service. Every Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a new guest who's still in the role to share how or why they've gone into sales development, what have they learned in their SDR career and journey to date, and what three pieces of information would they like to share back to new and existing reps to help them become happy sellers. Every show is transcribed, recorded with links from the guests, which are available at happyselling.io forward slash podcast. I'm going to be your host, Neil Buyan, and I look forward to taking you into the world of sales development through the SDR Disco Call podcast. Hello all you happy listeners. Now this episode was recorded back in October 2020 where we met inbound SDR Courtney Christie from Video Prospecting Experts Vidyard. So she's going to be giving us top tips for video prospecting for SDRs and how she does 100 videos in less than an hour. We're also going to be talking about celebrating failures and F-ups, going against career paths recommended by her teachers and how she found happiness in her career. Also, how she took Starbucks barista training into Vidyard, and also the turning point when she realized that she wanted to go into customer success. However, she wasn't ready based on feedback given by her managers and how she got ready for that promotion. So with that in mind, let's begin. Hi there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Core podcast. Today, I have a Canadian SDR on our show uh, a lovely lady by the name of Courtney Christie. And we recently met at an online event with Salesloft where I got to learn a bit about Courtney's SDR journey. And I thought, you know what, we really need to get you onto the show. So Courtney, welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast. How are you doing today, miss? I'm well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining. So Courtney, for the listeners can only hear you but can't see you, could you tell us like who are you, where are you from, and just a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, so my name is Courtney Christie, like the cookies for all you North American listeners. (laughs) I am from Ontario, Canada, and I currently am an SDR at Vidyard. And uh, as an SDR at Vidyard, what are your main things that you do day to day, Courtney? So an SDR at Vidyard is structured more on an inbound focus. So I am helping people explore the platform and then getting them to where they need to be. So whether or not that means connecting them with an account executive to explore our paid tiers of our platform, or if I'm helping them get started with video prospecting through our free tool. Um, It's sort of my duty to help determine that and then move forward accordingly. 
Thank you very much. And you're hopefully going to be sharing some uh, video prospecting tips later on in the show because uh, I know that you're a, a super user on in, in terms of video prospecting and I've, I've learned some cool things from yourself. Um, but outside of SDRing, like kind of what are the things that you like to get up to, Chrissy? What kind of hobbies and stuff that really interest you? Yeah, so I'm currently living in Nova Scotia, Canada, which is more of the Atlantic coast. And so it's very popular to hike out here. So I have been very much into hiking and exploring the coast of Canada Um, when I'm not outside because it's winter and it's Canada. um, (laughs) I actually am very much into watercolors and into drawing and more sort of artistic um, outlets like that. Or I'm typically watching um, I'm really into game shows. So a lot of actually British game shows. Um, I literally just plowed through 10 seasons of Taskmaster in like two <laughs> weeks. I'm ashamed to admit it, but um, those are kind of what I've been enjoying to do lately. Wicked. Thank you so much, Courtney. And yes, you are uh, an artiste because I think I saw in a Vidyard video not so long ago that you had your own mug and it was something that you were painting. And yes, you've got some Picasso talent there. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. <laughs> So again, like with with our uh, listeners, what we're here for today is to kind of understand Courtney's SDR story. And when looking on LinkedIn, I saw that you had some experience of working at like rider truck rentals. You were a barista at Starbucks. Um, you're working at LePage, and then you ended up at Vidyard as an SDR. Mm-hmm. For the listeners out there, could you kind of like walk us through the story of how things started at Rider and kind of how you got here today? Yeah, my career at Rider started. Um, shortly after a time that I decided that I did not want to become a history teacher and was switching to interior decorating. And I was taking a year gap between those two times. And in that time, I ended up um, finding a job in more of the service department of Rider, which is mostly keeping drivers up to date with their trucks. And it just really wasn't a good fit for me. And luckily, a contract position opened up in their rental side of, of their business. And so it was my job to help people rent our trucks. And um, if anyone was more interested on an enterprise level, um, get them connected to account executives at Rider. And it was really between Rider and then leaving that role and going to school where I realized that I did like the customer-facing aspect of jobs. And I had originally gone into interior decorating because I thought I wanted to be more creative and still be able to interact with people. And um, after completing that program, if you have done any sort of artistic career, you know that surprisingly, there's not a ton of jobs out there. And so <laughs> I <laughs> I ended up continuing a job that I had gotten as a barista at Starbucks um, in college. And Starbucks is a really, really great place to work if you love to deal with people. And there's a little bit of sales in it where you have to often upsell certain items every single day or week or whatever it is. And realize that I kind of had a knack for that. And I think that's what started to turn the gears in my mind about, oh, sales. This is actually something that I could do. Um, All my life, I had been told that I should either be a teacher or a nurse. No one had really said because of my people skills, I should go into something like sales or business. And Mm. it took me a bit later to realize that that was in fact what I wanted to do and where I think I would excel at. So um, I left Starbucks to go work as an administrator at a real estate brokerage, um, which was really, really 
um, fun and I learned a lot, but there wasn't really much growth in that role. It's either become an agent or stay as an administrator. And it sort of led me to exploring different events in my town. And there was one particular event called F-Up Nights. It's Mm -hmm. actually all over the world. There's different cities, so check your city for them. Um, Obviously, they've gone virtual now, but it was something that started where people realized that there's so much celebration of success in our culture that when you're in a point of failure, it's really hard to look around and feel like people understand. And it's really hard to not feel alone when you're kind of at a point in your life where you just don't feel like you're being successful. So this organization started this night to bring successful entrepreneurs and not have them talk about the success of their current venture, but to actually talk about times that they have really effed up and (laughs) failed and to sort of celebrate that and to look at the growth in it. And um, my company, Vidyard, ended up hosting one and Michael Litt, our CEO, ended up speaking at it. And obviously, he talks a lot about the company and what they do. And I just felt so drawn to Vidyard after that. And I went on their website and saw that they were hiring for an SDR role. And I applied for it and I got the job. And it's it's pretty much been history since. Mm-hmm. Well, that is an amazing story. So from like... If I kind of recap, uh, rider truck rentals, there was an element of kind of being like an SDR, you know, connecting client to the right account executive. Exactly. You kind of realized that wasn't were the route that you wanted to go down. Uh, interior design was another element of it that you're setting towards, but you realized there wasn't a ton of jobs. Mm. Um, and you also mentioned like school was kind of pushing you or like college was pushing you to two different types of professions. Why Why did you feel that the, the, the education system was giving you that guidance versus kind of where you ended up today? Yeah, so this was more so me growing up. So this was pre-college and university at 18, but um, I've always been a very charismatic presenter, people person. I've been very, very, very good at social situations. Um, I've not been great at tests, but every time there was a school presentation, I would sort of excel and show my capability there. And any time a teacher spoke to me, they always said that because of this part of my nature, I would make a great nurse or teacher. And I hate, Mm. hate more than anything in the world, blood and gore and guts. (laughs) I cannot stand it. And so at a very young age, I realized, well, I can't be a nurse because of that reason. I also hate needles. And so that means that the only possible route for me is teacher. And I I come from a family where I was the first one to go to to post-secondary to university. And so to them, teacher fit as well, because again, I'm a people person and um, I had just never really been told other options or taught other options. And um, I think I just sort of set my sights on teaching and tried to pursue that and realized I'd be miserable and it just really wasn't for me. And um, especially in, in Ontario where I'm from in Canada, there's a teacher crisis where there's just so many people wanting to teach. And so much of our population is in Toronto, the, the sort of bigger city and outside of Toronto, because if you go more to the capital of Canada and Ontario, Ottawa, you have to speak French. A lot of, Mm. I don't know if people know that Canada is a bilingual country. So Mm -hmm. there's just certain areas you have to be able to speak French. 
And so it really limits you as a teacher. And then otherwise, you're kind of in more isolated communities really far up north. And so I think even the possibility of of realizing that if I did pursue teaching, would I be stuck after mm-hmm. I graduated from teacher's college? Um, there's just a lot of strict regulations and and journeys. So I just knew that it wasn't for me. I've always been very mindful of of wanting to be successful to some capacity and to sort of have a good future for myself. And I just didn't see that possibility in teaching. So um, I think that shaped me a lot, which kind of deterred me from entering something like sales early on. And that's why I think it took a bit longer than I would have hoped, but at least Hmm. we're here. Yeah, definitely. Like it was a journey, like by the sounds of it, you had to experience that yourself. Mm -hmm. You had to come to your own conclusion. You had to kind of weigh out options and see what's available. But it did lead you into a lovely career of sales, which 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 I'm very happy to see as well. Um, And where you're kind of saying, like uh, trying to weigh up your mind and coming to that conclusion, uh, because like you say, where where you're currently based, there are limited options. I'm just curious to know, like, do you have other friends that kind of went through the same experiences or like they come to you saying, Courtney, like, do you know what? I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with my life. What type of conversations do you have there? I think it's, I'm a millennial. Um, I'm on, I think more of the later half. I don't know. Is it later or earlier half of, I'm more on the later half of the millennial. So I grew up without technology and things like that. I think it's so common for millennials and probably maybe Gen Zs to be pushed a certain direction in high school, especially if you're a university bound, especially that's how it's set up, I think, in Canada. Mm -hmm. We're so young when we're making that decision and our arms are really twisted and told that if we we don't go to university, we won't be successful. And I I can't, um, I can't even count on two hands anymore the amount of people I've seen from high school or people that I met in my early 20s um, just completely changed their lives and go a completely different direction. Most people who were like me, who had a very strong structured plan early on, it just didn't end up going that way. And I think that the older I get, the more I see people being vocal about it. I definitely felt a bit lonely when I did it at such an early age where I just sort of changed my plan. And I definitely felt a bit isolated, but the more that time has gone by, I'm seeing so many people um, just completely change their plans. I've had um, a friend from high school recently who went the teaching path message me recently because now they're looking to get into interior decorating and want to catch <laughs> up and see how I liked my program. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of people um, go from being heavily invested in a, um, something like science or or wanting to go into policing and then now they're doing like a woodworking business and making their own furniture and selling it and and I just think it's so so common and that if you are kind of in that phase of limbo where your original plan isn't your current plan um you're definitely not alone I think it's so much more common and if you just keep working on it you'll find it but um definitely one of the more common situations as a millennial, I think, is is seeing almost everyone I know switch careers or switch plans. Yeah. 
And I think like um, your story does resonate with me because even though, and I'm not going to say my age on air, but uh, <laughs> I've been around the block a couple of times. I had the same narrative pushed to me when I was younger by my parents and family and friends that, look, Neil, if you don't do well in college and you don't go to university, you're not going to have a great high paying job. Um, and to be honest, when I was younger, the only thing I ever wanted to do was drama. I loved performing. I loved acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family like, no, 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 no. That's <laughs> like, that's not a real job, Neil. Like, get real. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, like you, having that knack for wanting to be around people, perhaps sales might be a thing. And that's what I thought. And I tried it out and it worked fine. And I've used those qualities of acting, performing, because <laughs> like sales is a, is a performance, exactly. you know? Like you have to perform to an audience, you have to convince them with a story. And I really love that element of sales as well. But I think the thing which has been synonymous throughout my life is I've always had plans and plans always change. It never goes to plan. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful thing to be fluid and kind of go like where the wind blows. Um, And I think you're right. There are probably a lot of young people nowadays who are big at the on the cusp of making career choices and decisions uh, and they may feel fearful because they're like okay we don't know what the other side is going to look like and that's quite daunting um, so that's kind of one of the reasons I'm doing this show to kind of give insights as to okay if this is your step into career of sales it could be a path for you but what advice would you give to those people that you know They've come out of university they're weighing up their options what key things do you think they should be? really focused on versus just the monetary side of things? Yeah, I I mean, I don't want to sound cliche here, but I definitely think happiness. Um, I think a really common trend I found um, going from job to job in my 20s was that I really wasn't successful at the jobs I wasn't happy at and that I didn't have some kind of passion involved in it. So I've always been a creative person. I've always been a people person. Um, something I've noticed at Vidyard is that I've been able to excel because working in video has allowed some form of creativity that I love, as well as sort of being in a job that's good. So finding something where you're going to be passionate about, even if everyone is telling you not to do it, um, you have to be driven by your your passions and things that you want to do well. And that's how you're really going to succeed is if you're stuck in a job eight to four, nine to five that you're miserable at, how successful can you really be? 100% right. You've got to love what you do, right? And if you don't love it, then what's the point? And I think sometimes like <laughs> it's really funny because you went to an F up night, but you're also saying you're finding failures in certain jobs that you weren't happy with. So I think failures are good things because mm-hmm. they help you understand what you do and don't like. And believe me, I failed hundreds of times in a lot of things. And I'm really grateful for those uh, experiences. Um, but I think, you know, like if you're given the opportunity to flourish somewhere, like you say, at Vidyard, where you can tap into that creative element, you can see what other people are doing. And I think there's this old saying by Les Brown, you kind of have to um, believe in the belief of others in you before mm-hmm. it starts kicking in for yourself. And I think in SDR land, this is something we can get a lot of feedback on and kind of how we're doing stuff, et cetera. Um, and like you said, you're by the sounds of it, you're really happy at Vidyard and you are somebody creative because you caught my eye on LinkedIn at the, the Sales Loft event that we, we were at. Um, so what was it like joining from somebody that was doing, you know, interior design, going for a barista and then onboarding into a SaaS company? What was that experience like for you? 
Um, I'm not going to deny that it was a bit overwhelming. Um, I think that I'm really lucky though. Vidyard is such a great company. They're so supportive and so encouraging and they really just want you to learn and be the best that you can be. And I've been lucky with managers at this job where my first manager used to be a Starbucks barista before her sales career. And so ah. she, yeah, so she um, understands how we're trained at Starbucks and how hard we work and all the different multitasking we have to do and how that can be translated into a sales job. And so um, at Vidyard, you have to do a case study in the interview. So I presented that, did pretty well in my research and my presentation. And on my first day, she sat myself and the other SDR that had been hired at the same time as me and told us that the reason we got hired was because of how confident and intelligent she saw us being in our interviews and nice. how she believes in nothing but our success. And that was on my first day. And that, wow. that made me want to do well. And mm. so she took us through the training and beginning of our SDR and she moved on to another role. But we then got another great manager who's my current manager. And he has been nothing but dedicated in improving our team and making it the best that we um, can be. And really taking the time to make sure that we're getting what we want out of the role and then also helping us get we want what we want for the future. And so I think because of that, my transition to tech was so much better. Also working for um, a company that uses video and is, is really passionate about that has been really great because I'm also very passionate about video. I think it's such a great way to um, connect to people in this world. I think email is great, but I think it's definitely made the business world a lot colder. And mm. as someone that really um, loves human connection, being able to put a face to the name and and see the person that's emailing you and, and be able to build that trust and that connection through video, um, I think is just so wonderful. And so I think being in an area where I'm able to put passion forward and and sort of work, but also meet so many great people and other SDR BDRs on LinkedIn. And, and that's definitely a great resource where um, we're all doing the same role at the end of the day. We all have yep. to stick together. We all yep. have to grow from each other. So making those connections on LinkedIn, I think is really important as well and has definitely helped me become the SDR that I am today. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, and you said some key pieces there. So obviously you had the SDR manager that was a former uh, worker at Starbucks as well. So they kind of knew the world that you lived in. Mm -hmm. They gave you that belief and confidence that, hey, look, on day one, we're, we're going to back you. Um, and then you have another manager who's your current manager that is, again, backing you as well. And an interesting piece you said here is like, he's making sure that you get what you want to get out of the role and you want to get the things in your life, in your career. For aspiring SDRs or people that may be going into this role, what are the things that you want to get out of a role such as an SDR? Yeah, I think for me, um, something that it's really taught me is confidence. So uh, by nature, I'm a little bit more passive. And I think that I often used to not believe in myself so much and, and kind of not want to speak up and and say what I wanted to say in case I was wrong or in case I made someone mad. And being an SDR and um, 
dealing with so many people every day. I've, I've been able to grow so much as a person. And even if I change roles in six months or a year, I'm always going to take that with me. I'm always going to be better conversationally in, in every role because of what SDR has taught me. And it's taught me how to listen. It's taught me how to ask important questions. It's helped me be able to identify pain points for people. And, and that can be translated in, I think, every role in the future. And so um, uh, I think what I have gained from SDR is just a better belief in myself, a better understanding of how to translate skills into other roles. And I'm mm. still getting so much out of it too, by just um, being faced with so many different situations every single day and being able to learn from them and talk to my manager about them and have one-on-ones and, and, and just everything like that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Dude. And you're, it sounds like you're highly self-aware of how this is impacting you as an individual. And I can hundred percent relate. I think starting out as an SDR, even outside of SDRing, like in life in general, I used to be a very shy person and I found it very difficult to speak up or to voice my opinion to your point fearing offending people or saying the wrong thing um and i kind of realized later in my life that by not saying anything that's the wrong thing and even if what you say isn't correct at least people show that you're interested and that you have a vested interest in a discussion um and as companies i've grown and grown and grown i've become more passionate and outspoken <laughs> about certain topics especially around sdrs and how they're treated in certain companies um but yeah, I think there's a lot of skills that you said that, that you can transfer into other areas of your life and it definitely builds your confidence. But was there like a turning point for you, Courtney, where you realized, damn, I believe in myself now, like after, after you know, going through the ropes and stuff? Yeah, it's actually a lot more recent too. I think it's definitely been in the past two or three months. Um, I My goal is to be in customer success and I interviewed for a role um, internally and they ended up going external. So I'm not mad, just disappointed. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I respect the decision. But yeah. um, in my interview feedback, I'd been told that I answered something that made me sound like I second-guessed myself mm. and then made the hiring manager worry about um, my capability and I was talking to my manager after and he was like, this is not the SDR I know. Like you are so confident in what you're doing. And um, he's like, you just have to own that you are good at this role and that you are a great SDR and that you're a great part of our team. And you need to sort of um, own that a lot more so that it's reflected so much that other people can see it. And I think that was a good waking Point for me. And so I ended up um, asking to tackle virtual events in a different way than we'd been doing them since obviously conference season is missed. I love conferences. I, I mm. really feel like I um, become a <laughs> You've lost some energy. Yeah. I, yeah, I am definitely an overhyped version of myself at conferences and I don't sleep for days and then and I feel like I don't need to eat or drink you know what I mean just that yeah. over amplified version of myself and that's definitely been missed I think since everything went virtual and so um, I've started to tackle virtual events a bit differently with the use of video and have to sort of bring those elements of myself that I've been a little bit more hesitant to embrace yeah. and 
really bring them out in the virtual events. And I've been seeing a lot of success and been getting a lot of kudos for it, not to toot my own horn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as a Canadian, we're supposed to be a lot more polite about it. So I'm sorry. Um, but I think just sort of embracing my confidence the past few months has really been a turning point for me. And I've been seeing a lot of success from it as well. So I think it's that that sort of doubled confidence of I'm embracing my success and I'm seeing success because I'm embracing my success. I love it. And it's interesting, like you say, you're you're wanting to move on to customer success, which I think is a great path. I've been there and I absolutely loved uh, being like a customer success manager um, because a lot of SDRs that I speak to primarily, they want to get into an SDR role. They then want to go into sales. What is it about customer success that piqued your interest, Courtney? Why Why that path for you? I think it does stem back to my days as a Starbucks barista. Um, it It really was a really influential job, which I know probably sounds funny to some people, but at Starbucks, we're really trained to put the customer first. Customer facing is the most important thing to Starbucks. And so you're trained to basically make your store feel like somebody's second home. And so one of my favorite parts about Starbucks was having regular customers, you know, making them feel like they can feel at home at the store and seeing them every single day. When I left my role at Starbucks, I stayed in contact with about 20 to 25 of my regular customers. We email Uh at holidays, we keep in touch. And that's one of my favorite parts is not just having a role where you connect with someone, say hi, maybe have some good banter. And you're like, I feel like we could be friends forever. I don't know about you. But then as an SDR, you're really just passing them along. And it's goodbye. Probably we'll never see you again. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you when you're gone. And so I love that customer success is more relationship retainment and making sure that you are making the the customer feel like the product is a second home to them. And so that's sort of what I'm passionate about and really want to get into. And I think it's a good mixture of sales and that customer attainment. And so that's really what inspired me to get into it. I know that there's a lot more to customer success, but that's really my main drive to get into that role. No, I I think you've got the right mindset of it being customer centric, making them fans, making them feel welcome that they've, you know, they're using the best solution. Um, I think when I was considering moving into customer success, I had a VP of sales who said, Neil, your problem is that you can't let go of the customers. You're too (laughs) nice to them and you don't let go of them. And he said, have you ever thought about a role in customer success? And I was like, dude, that's like for farmers. I'm a hunter. That's not me. Then he said, well, Neil, in sales, you have to convince them to buy. And in customer success, you have to convince them to stay and Mm -hmm. spend more. So kind of going back to your barista days of like, well, you know, you're serving them, but you're also having to upsell them as well. There is that element, but 100%, it's a case of really looking after the customer, understanding their business, what do they need help with? And if I have a product expert like you on the other side, um, I think you'll be a great customer success manager or coach, you know, it's uh, definitely a path I recommend to a lot of people. So hopefully maybe in the coming months, you know, uh, have you back on as a guest in your new role. But what... um, like obviously like with your manager they gave a couple of pointers kind of things that you need to kind of spruce up on 
What do you think are the action points for Courtney Christie to get her ready for when the opportunity comes again? What do you think you have to do? Yeah, so what I've been working on is um, taking more, I guess, risks and opportunities that could sort of propel me in that interview. So again, tackling those virtual events and taking that project on for myself shows that I'm capable of, of project management, which is, I think, a key factor. And um, I've been doing a lot more enablement sessions. I've been really more focused on tips and tricks on LinkedIn, um, growing my confidence as well. I think it's good. It, there's still a lot of room for improvement. And so um, anytime I feel I've had, a, mm, I guess, a bad experience on a call, because it still happens, um, I yeah. immediately connect with my manager ask for whether or not I could have done it better, if I could have handled the situation better. Um, I still ask where I'm lacking in terms of questions and 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 sort of just always trying to really strengthen myself in that sense. Um, but I'm also taking a course that was recommended by the hiring manager of the role I wanted to sort of give me that leg up and to prepare me a little bit more um, or when another position like that opens up within the company. So just, I think, really looking for areas where you can educate yourself and grow. That's kind of been my main focus the past few months. Um, my manager also believes that, um, thankfully, because he's the best, he is constantly <laughs> telling me that he thinks that I'm ready for the role. There's just yeah. always areas to um, improve and get better in preparation for it. So. Um, mostly just trying out new projects. And even if they fail, I had one fail a few months ago, just always being on board to try new projects and to take the lead of things and to um, sort of show that project management side and, and grow from there. I think those are some great, great, great bits uh, to embark on your journey. And I think it will definitely, definitely help. Um, and it's like to give some help as well, because I've been on that journey and I advise others on that journey as well. Um, like a lot of us, sometimes if we're an SDR, we're looking to go into an AE role or a CSM role, or we're looking to go into marketing. We're always thinking in the mind of now of how we currently work to then try and translate that into the role that we're going into. Uh, and a really cool technique that I used to use when I used to move from role to role was I used to go get the job spec. Uh, of that role that I wanted to go for. And I'd look at the responsibilities and kind of the day-to-day -day operations I needed to do. And I asked myself the question, of all these things, what can I do? And I kind of asked myself, why do I think I can do that? So if it's relationship building, well, I know I'm great on the phone. I know I'm great on a Zoom. Um, if it's great within my CRM, yep, I could always pull reports from Salesforce or Dynamics, whatever I'm using to build a better picture of my territory. Um, and then if there were things such as like doing a customer kickoff call, or doing a quarterly business review. And I was like, ah, okay, those are things that I don't know how to do. So I would then seek out people in my company that were already doing those things mm -hmm. and asking if I could join. So as an SDR and AE, uh, if I got a lead in, I would always like, if it was a big enterprise lead or, you know, like a hot lead that I've been chasing for months, I'd always ask the CSM or the AEs, like, could I sit in on the meeting just to see how it goes? Um, and then sometimes I would sit on the quarterly business review to see how that went. And after the meeting, I'd always sit down with a customer success manager and say, why do you ask those questions and why do you do that? 
and I'm just trying to understand it better. And sometimes if a lead that I brought in, if it was inbound or outbound, had closed, I'd always reach back out to the customer after they've implemented so I know they've bought the solution and they're actually using it and say to them, hey, I just wanted to know, like, what did you feel about this whole process and what made it really good? Uh, and what would you do differently if you were to sign back on with our company? And it was those things that I couldn't have learned until either before getting into the role or perhaps going into the role itself. But go sit and shadow with people that are already mm-hmm. doing it and ask hundreds of questions. Um, and the reality is you'll never be ready. Nobody's ever ready for anything. No. you just got to do, right? Um, and like, yeah, you've, you've got a great company. Um, I'm a firm believer in video prospecting and it's something I use. And I think I even posted you a video the other day of mm-hmm. kind of like my Monday morning tips. But for the SDRs out there, there are probably a few that are either using video prospecting or perhaps they're still scared to do it because they don't want to see the face on on camera. Yeah. What tips would you give to our SDRs for for video prospecting, Courtney? Yeah, I think my tip number one is everybody is intimidated to start with video. Um, I know that when I first started at Vidyard, I had used a product similar to Vidyard at my old job, but never had to be in front of the camera. And it took me so long to realize that my videos did not have to be perfect. Um, I'm a little bit more camera shy. I don't typically like to be in front of the camera, even though I'm in front of video all day, I still don't really like being in front of pictures. (laughs) I like being behind the camera. Um, But I made a pact when I first started Vidyard to spend at least an hour making videos a day for prospects or even just imaginary prospects. Mm. Um, So I would create pitch video ideas. I would practice... um, answering questions a prospect had sent me via email or I just started to like basically sorry to use word like there um I've been trying I was trying to get as comfortable as I could and then the day that I just realized that if I stumble um I used I grew up with a speech impediment it still comes out my speech impediment comes out because I'm particularly tired or nervous that day I just leave it in, in and I joke about it. Um, Mm. It shows so much more that you're a human in that video and is going to make your prospect relate to you on so much more of a level than if your video was perfectly scripted, perfectly enunciated, because I feel like a lot of people just think that you're a robot or AI at that point, if it's too (laughs) perfect. Um, Mm. Think of video when you're prospecting, I do 30 to 45 seconds. My video is not meant to sell the product. As an SDR, it's meant to get on a Zoom call with someone. So think about this video as if you were connecting with someone on the phone or in person. You would not have the chance to press restart on what you were saying to the person. And so as long as you don't drop like the F-bomb or something really (laughs) disastrous, somebody walks in the background of your video, maybe your roommate or your partner completely shirtless and in, you know, an inappropriate outfit. There's no... (laughs) your dog. Yeah, exactly. You know, your dog has torn up your living room in the background of this video. There's no real reason to restart it. And just being authentic and being yourself is so important in that 30 to 45 seconds. And once you release the idea that you have to be perfect, it's going to make it so much easier. Uh, I also recommend just spending an hour to reach out to as many people as you can. I always like to do first touch with a video. 
I, now that I have perfected my little spiel in my videos, I can mm. do about a hundred videos in less than an hour. And wow. what really slows me down is that I have doctor's handwriting. I really don't have good print. So I have to take my time to write out a prospect's name really nicely. There are days I don't bother and they can deal with it. But I think that's really what slows me down is, is having to write the names really neatly. So if you have good handwriting, you already have that advantage. But it's definitely possible to do those videos in under an hour. I get a lot of um, SDR BDRs telling me that they reach out to too many people in the day to use video. But if I can do it, you can definitely do it. You just really have to set some time in your calendar to make all those videos and then send them out. I love it. Those 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 are some golden video nuggets there, like picking up on the first one where you've made a pact with yourself that you're going to kind of commit to doing this. Um, uh, recording videos, sending them out, but also making like imaginary videos to questions, rebuttals, things that you're hearing from people to get comfortable with it, setting that hour block in, in your diary to do it. And obviously the videos don't have to be perfect. The amount of times that I've kind of clicked <laughs> restart on Vidyard, because I'm, nah, that doesn't sound great. Nah, I'm looking kind of weird. But I agree with you. You've got to keep it real mm-hmm. um, to show the real side of you. Because again, I think if it is scripted and polished, then it looks like a sales pitch. Yeah. Which we don't really want it to be. To your point, you want to hop on a Zoom. You want to initiate a dialogue and a conversation. Um, and wow, you can get a hundred videos done in an hour, dude. Like it takes me over an hour just to get that one perfect video. So I got, I got to take a, a leaf from your book there. Um, and yeah, maybe with, uh, the handwriting bit, that's great practice to get used to those names and writing out like yeah. you must know so many names. And that was a thing that really, it kind of freaked me out almost like when we connected on the sales loft event, I literally, I think I hovered over your profile in the virtual event. And within a couple of minutes, like I had a video with my name and I was like, did you really just do that? Did, <laughs> how, how, how did you do that? And it really wowed me. And I was like, yeah, I want to jump on and have a, a discussion with you. And here we are today. So great tip. So SDRs, if you're listening out there, definitely Courtney is the person to get in touch with. Uh, I'd love to see more videos coming out from yourself as well. Um, and you've just given us some like three great tips or well, more than three great tips oh, there, yeah. but. <laughs> for any tips uh, that you would give to a younger version of yourself where who's just about to embark on this journey as an SDR, what would you like to say to them? Yeah, um, I think I think I just yelled that. I'm so sorry. I I think my first tip would be to not worry about anyone else and where they're at. So I think I started off a bit insecure that I didn't have a business degree or that maybe I was lacking a bit more in the education department that's more centered around sales and then quickly realized that as long as I put the time and work into learning it, it wouldn't matter to anyone. And that's definitely proved that for itself is that nobody really cares that I come from an interior decorating background or a Russian history background. Um, All that matters is that they see me every day working to improve myself and to I take in what my manager is telling me to work on and I apply it as soon as they tell me what needs to be worked on. I think number two is to not be afraid of the phones. It's definitely something (laughs) I still on certain days am not as eager to cold call or to um, annoy people. And I think something to remember is that even if you annoy this person, 
you are never probably going to encounter them in your real everyday life because (laughs) you're in Nova Scotia, Canada, and this person is in like the Isle of Man. And the chances of you being in the Isle of Man and running into this person and them even remembering you is so unlikely. And number three, I think echoing something that you said earlier, where I think we typically look at the now and then look at the future and really focus on that future part. I think taking it day by day is so important. And to just make sure that you're not burning yourself out, you're not unhappy, you're still loving what you do every single day, and you're getting everything you want out of that day every day. Um, and I think you'll just become such a stronger and more confident person doing that. I think if you could record a 30 second video of that and post it in video and put it out to the LinkedIn network, I think you could definitely inspire a lot of people. <laughs> Courtney, so thank you so much for yeah. sharing that. Um, and as we're coming towards the end of the show now, I just wanted to know, are there any shout outs, any like high fives that you want to give out to your network today? Yeah, I think I have to high five the person I've been thanking a lot in this podcast, which is my manager, David Nobrega. I also have a very wonderful SDR team at Vidyard that um, built each other up. So that's Emma Roy, Jordan Vega, Jillian Wyatt, Katie Bentz, um, my original two managers that believed in me at Vidyard, which is Caitlin Chidley and Ellen Stafford, and just so many other amazing people, my family, my friends, but really focusing on Vidyard. When I say that I work for the best company, it's such a community and every single person I work with feels like my friend and is my friend realistically. And in this tough time of a pandemic, every single individual at my company has just been doing an amazing job at keeping spirits up and making sure we're all still connected and that nobody's feeling alone and unheard. And so just a huge kudos to Vidyard. If if you really want to use a product where you know the company is happy happy and, and passionate, if, if that sways your decision at all, Vidyard is definitely <laughs> something to look into. But um, yeah, I just, Vidyard gave me that chance to break into a world where I think a lot of companies are a lot stricter and and aren't as nice to people who don't come from more traditional backgrounds. And mm. Vidyard is all about giving people with different backgrounds chances. So um, I really wouldn't be here without them. So Hell to the mother... <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, t- I agree with it. And I love it. I love the passion. Um, well, look, Courtney, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Definitely would love to have you back on in the future as well. And perhaps there'll be an update with the crew. I'm really going to be watching closely how that goes. And again, if you need any tips, reach out. I'm happy to, to help on there. Or if anybody else is listening in to give some tips to Courtney. And it's a, a question that I love to ask guests as well, because we're all connected socially nowadays. So some of our network are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, etc. What's the best way if somebody wants to ask you a question to get in touch with you, Courtney? Yeah, I I kind of keep myself disconnected from most social medias, but I am on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Courtney Christie, um, Vidyard, obviously. Um, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. I don't have Twitter. I don't have Instagram. So um, LinkedIn is, is the best way to go. Okay. That's cool. And if I was an SDR and I wanted to ask Courtney uh, a video prospecting question and it's the first touch, would you prefer text or video? I think you're always going to get kudos for using video. I will also quickly throw out there that if you're applying to a company that uses video for prospecting, 
always send a video for first touch. Mm. It will get you a leg up. So whether you're applying to Vidyard or one of our competitors, always attach a video from their free product. You will automatically get that leg up. Um, but I think if if you're still not comfortable with video, we can work on that together. Feel free to shoot me it via text. But it'd be awesome to e-meet you and put a face to the name. So um, I always love receiving videos, but it really, I'm so open to your comfort level. Cool. Courtney, thank you. Guys, if you're listening in, you you have uh, permission from Courtney to send a video message <laughs> in uh, and keep it to the point of like asking questions, you know, trying to get better at video prospecting because I know there's a lot of people that want to help with that. But Courtney, again, thank you so much. <clears throat> uh, you've been a great guest. Again, we're going to be watching closely. I'm going to be looking out for more videos as well. Um, but yeah, thank you for being a guest, Courtney. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is a blast. I would love to be on another session. Perfect. All right, Courtney. Well, look, happy selling and best of luck. Thanks. You too. And good luck, everyone else. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to sdrdiscocall, one word, at bcast, which is b-c-a-s-t dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.